Digital Marketing Radio, episode 238, how to be an effective brand ambassador in the digital world. Digital Marketing Radio with David Bain. Hi, I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, the show for in-house agency and entrepreneurial marketers who want to stay on top of the latest tools, tactics and trends shared by today's modern marketing masters. Do you wish that you were smooth, energetic, and articulate brand ambassador? Do you desire to be a podcast or video show guest that every host and viewer resonates with, delivering your message in a clear, calm, and personable manner? In episode 238 of Digital Marketing Radio, we look at how to be an effective brand ambassador in the digital world with a lady who used to have a fear of public speaking, but ended up with a 20 plus year career in news and broadcasting. In 2019, she decided to help others bring their stories to life with confidence and personality through her very own full service public speaking and media training consultancy. Welcome to DMR, Kerry Barrett. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. And I love all your graphics and your music. I need to get this for my setup. <laughs> oh, I'm sure um, <laughs> I'm sure you will do. You were just talking about, um, before we went live, about getting your own studio set up as well. It's so fun, isn't it, setting up um, all your own studio and equipment at home? It is fun, although my husband might disagree. He's like, how much <laughs> stuff do we need to buy? And what is this for again? And don't you already have five of these? <laughs> there's, always, there's always something else, you know, no matter what it's level like you shoes. get to. <laughs> right. I'm like, yes, I need five pairs of new shoes. Don't you understand? The toes are all different and the heels are different heights. I know they look the same, but trust me, they're all different. No, I don't understand. No. <laughs> you, I you need find- what it <laughs> you can find Kerry over at kerrybarrettconsulting.com. So, Kerry, what's the difference between being a brand ambassador in the digital world versus maybe being a brand ambassador 10 years ago? 10 years ago. Well, I wasn't a brand ambassador 10 years ago, except for the news organizations that I was working for. But I would say now it is a much more crowded sphere. And I'm sorry, my earbud keeps falling out here, but there's a lot of noise out there. There's also a lot of space out there because people are niching down and there are new industries and businesses popping up all the time. There is a way to carve space for yourself in a way that there wasn't 10 years ago, but you have to swim through increasingly cloudy waters or crowded waters, I should say, and you really need to do your research. I would say 10 years ago, right? Strategy was important, but just being out there and being present was so much more than so many other people were doing. Now, and if you're not doing this, you need to consider it. Now, every company is a media company and almost everybody should have or has a video presence or a digital presence out there. So you really have to find your space and you have to be incredibly targeted with who you're going to. I would say the competition is fierce, but there's also space that wasn't available 10 years ago. I think I'd definitely rather swim through crowded waters than cloudy waters. That sounds a little bit uh, concerning. Yeah, no, I'm like, well, sometimes when the waters are crowded, they're also cloudy and you know what that means, so, you know, (laughs) one and the same. (laughs) So I I was having a good look through your website, the the different services that you offered, your uh, background things that you did. And one of the things that you talk about is um, talking on a teleprompter. Now, um, I... um, 
produce a podcast, obviously, from the show, do it as yeah. a live stream, um, have it produced as a video for, for YouTube for people to watch afterwards. But one of the things that I do for the introduction is I say the introduction section through a teleprompter just to make sure that I can get that section right. Um, how do you generally advise using a teleprompter and what kind of challenges do people tend to face using one? So this is such a great question. And as a matter of fact, I did a whole LinkedIn Live on this exact topic last Friday. So if you're interested in getting some additional information beyond what we have the time to talk about here, I'd invite you to go back and watch that. But the thing about the teleprompter is that many people... Right. There's there's sort of three types of scripting. There's just fully ad lib. There is creating an outline with talking points. And then there's a, a full script that you read off of a teleprompter, which is great if there's specific stats or data that you know that you need to get right. Or if there you know, is a very specific flow from beginning, middle and end, and you need to have it organized correctly. A teleprompter is a great way to make sure that you hit all of those points and you hit them when you need to. Where a teleprompter gets tricky is that people become so focused on just spitting out one word after the next that they disengage with what they're saying slash reading. And so mm. it comes across as very, it can come across as very canned. I don't know why Siri keeps trying to talk to me. I apologize <laughs> if she's interrupting me. The, the key to understanding how to use the teleprompter effectively, right? It's not an excuse or a reason to turn your brain off because everything is in front of you and you just get to spit it out. The key to using a teleprompter is to use it and sound conversational, sound mm. like you're not reading. Don't be afraid to break gaze and, and use natural sort of habits that we have when we talk, you know, looking up to gather our thoughts or looking down, those sorts of things. People see a teleprompter and they start to get this like glazed over glare and they never look away because they've got to get each word out exactly. And that's where people fall short and that's where they make their mistakes. There is some performative aspects to reading from a prompter. And a lot of it has to do with knowing how to use your voice. So knowing how to use your vocal variety, meaning your pitch, your pacing, your tone, your pauses, where you choose to emphasize words and falling back on understanding the performative aspects of delivering on a teleprompter, even if you're not super comfortable with how it works, will help prevent that sort of rote, automatic, canned response. But you have to practice. That's the key. Yeah, And watch I, yourself, which is even worse. <laughs> like 20 years in the news business, I still hate watching myself on video, let alone listening to myself. Oh my God, do I actually sound like that? But that's the only way you get better. It's kind of like editing yourself in audio. I've edited over 500 yes. podcast episodes that I've produced as well. And you kind of get used to it, but you kind of don't get used right. to it as well. Yeah. It's it's so, it can be sort of cringe inducing. <laughs> I, 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 I also, cringe inducing anyway. I know, and I know exactly what, what you mean. And, and, and many people feel the same thing. And I produce podcasts for other B2B brands out there as well. And mm -hmm. one of the challenges that I face is that um, a lot of brands want to type out exactly what they're saying beforehand and say and, and just read out exactly the whole script and it ends up being something like using a teleprompter uh, you just read everything out a, at a consistent speed and and the way that I yeah. try and encourage brands to actually 
do it slightly differently or do it in a more conversational manner, as you were saying. As I say, people talk in bursts when they speak naturally. They, they speak in phrases, not necessarily full sentences, but they speak quickly for that phrase. And then they pause mm -hmm. and then they carry on speaking after that. Is, is that a reasonable way to describe it, to get people talking in a more conversational 100%. way? 100%. And I may, in fact, steal that from you. <laughs> because it's really good. Well, here's the thing. When I have a client who, let's say I'm doing a brand interview with, so I do a lot of brand interviews with clients via Zoom, right? They need to create video content. They feel weird talking into a camera. They don't know what to say. So we think about who they want to talk to and why they want to talk to them and what specifically are the top three to five points that they want to get across. And then we create a series of I create a series of questions around that. People always ask me for those questions in advance. And, and unless someone is incredibly media savvy, I very rarely hand over the questions. And the reason is, is exactly what you spoke about. They rehearse their answers. Mm. And it's the same thing as getting that sort of teleprompter stare. Like they're just so focused on getting the words out that they a end up speaking more slowly than usual because they're concentrating on like what word comes next and it just ends up being sort of this staccato there's none of those natural bursts that you mentioned and that's exactly why i do it because people have a tendency to want to make sure that they get everything perfect and that's just not not only is it not necessary it's often detrimental exactly and i, I yeah. find the same thing i mean i haven't taken any real formal training but i guess by just doing loads and loads of episodes i've um found myself roughly in the right way to do things and yeah. i feel that um what what uh, I, I tell you what i was um go, going in a certain direction there but i'm not sure exactly what direction i was going in there um <laughs> what what, 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 what do you all the time what, what do you what, what do you how do you um deal with someone um when they've gone off in a certain direction and you can see it in their eyes that they're not exactly sure where they're going how do you say yeah, how do you assist them with that? Yeah, <laughs> that was the question I was going to ask. <laughs> I try and gently guide. So it happens to me all the time. If you hear me sort of start to ramble for like five seconds, it's because I'm like, oh, crap. I need, I forget what the hell I was saying, but I need to keep talking until it comes back to me. <laughs> when I, when I sent, so when I do an interview with somebody, I usually tell them ahead of time, you know, here's the deal. I want you to really shine during this interview and I'm listening to what you're saying. And if I sense that we're going in a direction that's not beneficial for your message, because I know what your message is and I know what your goals are, I'll I'll jump in and redirect you. I don't want you to think I'm interrupting you because I'm not interested in what you're saying, but we have a limited amount of time and I want to make sure that you get your message out the way that you would would like it to be seen. And so I love that you spoke about that so-and-so. And, you know, if we have some time, we're going to get back to that. But but while I'm thinking of it, let's talk about blah, 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 whatever it is. And you sort of gently guide them back to the spot that they're supposed to be in. <laughs> Brilliant. And I'll tell you where I was attempting to go or I was intending to go was that um, you were mentioning that um, you don't share the full questions with people beforehand. Yeah. And the reason why I was saying as I've um, gravitated towards probably the right 
way of doing things and that I know you're obviously a professional and you would have handled questions being shared with you beforehand professionally no problem at all but um, I just shared bullets with you beforehand in terms yeah. of the areas that I was intending to talk about yeah. so hopefully that's the so you, did, you did it exactly correctly and and you know what it's funny as I was getting ready this morning like I haven't I've looked I looked over them when you first sent them to me but should I look them over again? And I didn't for this, for the same reason is usually when I can speak off the cuff, it's more real, it's more authentic. And I've been doing this for 20 years, but I still know that I even sometimes feel compelled to have every word planned or know exactly how it is that I want to say things. And that's not, that's not how I operate. That's not how I speak. And I know that I can usually do better when I'm off the cuff. Most people, though, when they do it off the cuff or when they talk naturally, they aren't as energetic as they should be on camera. How do you actually persuade yourself to be more energetic on camera or in front of a microphone? Well, I will tell you this. It, it was not automatic. I, it, I Specifically, it occurred to me um, one, I think it was a 5 p.m. show that I was anchoring. I was on the news desk and I have, it was a long time ago, you know, maybe 18 years ago. And I happened to catch a glimpse of myself in the monitor down below the teleprompter. And I was like, dang, I look, I look not happy to use like the, a nice way of putting it. And I look tired. And so I actually went back and I watched the air check, right? The recording of the show afterward. And I realized that although I thought that I was connecting with what I was saying and I was passionate and I was energetic, I actually didn't come across that way. I came across as a little bit aloof, somewhat tired, not all that happy to be there, which was not at all how I felt. But I realized at that specific moment what the camera did to not only energy, but facial expressions, nonverbals, all that other stuff. So I realized when I'm in front of a camera, I can't have a neutral face. I always have to have a slight upturn just so I look neutral. When my face is neutral, I look ticked off. And when it comes to, I have, you know, right, RBF, sexist term aside, I actually have it. And so I have to be aware of that because otherwise it just looks like I'm angry. And I also, as I mentioned before, there's a little bit of performative, um, there's some performative elements that go along with speaking on it on a prompter. The same thing goes with speaking through a camera and usually the, the two go hand in hand. There is a, a you have to be aware that when you are reading a script or when you are in front of a camera, it is going to, it eats energy for lunch is the best way that I can put it, right? The camera, it it puts its foot on anything you want to highlight and it like puts, you know, anything you want to mitigate in, in bright lights and showcases them to everybody. Oh, you have a zit here. Let's put a, like some bright lights around it and make sure everybody can see it. And like, you, you didn't get a good night's sleep. Let's make sure those bags under your eyes are front and center. So the camera is a cruel mistress. And, um, and I always say that you have to make sure that you are going almost over the top when you're really energetic you sort of come across as normal on camera. And so you have to feel comfortable going over the top. And that took practice. That took me anchoring a newscast because it was back in the day and then watching the air check and then seeing specifically what portions did I look 
uninterested in or out of touch with or angry about that was not actually how I felt. And then actually physically practice changing my facial expressions and changing the ways that I spoke to the camera. One of the easiest things to do for body language, and we, we do it all the time when we're speaking in person, is when we're excited about something, we lean in like, mm. oh my gosh, you won't believe what I heard the other day at the water cooler. So we're not at the water cooler anymore, but whatever, you know, oh my gosh, so-and-so tweeted, blah, 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 blah. We lean in because it's like, this is great information. And I want to make sure that you hear it. Do the same thing on camera, right? When you have something that's really exciting or that you're really passionate about, or, you know, a statistic that's going to knock people's socks off, lean forward. Do you know that, you know, 200% of consumers say that they make purchasing decisions after they watch a video. I realize 200% is not an actual thing, but I'm making a point here, right? You're leaning in. It's a very clear indicator and it's a way to infuse your presentation with energy. Same thing with hand gestures. I tend to use my hands a lot when I speak and every now and then I'll come across somebody who has been told that using hand gestures is a very bad thing. And they're so focused on sitting on their hands and keeping them still that it stilts every single other aspect of their delivery. If you talk with your hands, as long as they're not like random and, you know, without any sense or purpose, if you talk with your hands and they amplify and highlight what you're saying, use them because they will not only enhance the rest of your vocal delivery, they will infuse your delivery with energy as well. Do you know, I had to go on Google RBF and I'm not going to share I, with the what? listener what it is. <laughs> I saw you look down when I said that and I'm like, he's putting that in the Google machine. Yes, <laughs> it's resting bitch face. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't. <laughs> One other thing that I'd like to touch on is storytelling yeah. because um, that seems to be something that someone can do if they're a real pro. They can bring in storytelling because humans relate with stories and it's a wonderful way to educate people as well. So if someone asks you a question, how do you go about actually bringing a story into your answer at the same time? Such a good, such a good point. And I want to highlight the reason that storytelling is important. Data and stats are important, but the stories that go around them will stick with people for so much longer. And they don't have to be long stories. They don't even necessarily have to be stories that specifically happen to you, but they do have to be stories that will be important to your audience and will be relevant to whatever it is that you're trying to teach them, educate them, get them to buy whatever. And so I call it sort of a micro story and it is, you know, 30, maybe 45 seconds if it's super compelling. And I'll give you an example. When I first started my business, I went to hear someone speak about business growth and they were talking about how to sell your message or sell your product to your client from the stage, right? This is pre-pandemic. And this man said, when people go to buy a drill at the hardware store, they're not going because they need a drill. They're going because they need a hole, right? So don't sell the drill, sell the hole. That is a, that's a story, right? And that 
story has stuck with me now for two years. I'll, I don't remember anything else about what he said, but I remember him and I remember that story because it stuck with me and it explained to me in a way that I could understand what exactly he was talking about when it came to selling your services through the eyes of your client. And that's an example of a story and it doesn't have to be long. It ha you know, I did a, I'll give you another quick example. I am creating a digital course about DIY marketing video. And I was talking about the power of video when it comes to making people feel like they know you. And I said, for example, Every time I left the studio, uh, you know, I worked at 30 Rock, 30 Rockefeller Center on 6th Avenue in Midtown Manhattan. Every time I left the studio, I would walk out onto the sidewalk and someone would stop me and say, hey, da -da 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 -da, whatever the conversation was. And that's because they assumed that, right, I knew them because they knew me because they had seen me on TV that morning and the morning before, perhaps the morning before that, or however long they had been watching. That's the power of video to make a personal connection. That's love story, it. And, and I right? love the fact that you also said that actually a story can be 30 seconds or 45 seconds. Yeah. It doesn't need to have to be long. Right. I was uh, back in 19, I won't give you the year. I was born in Hinsdale, mm. Illinois to a yeah. mother uh, by the name of Bonnie. And that's not the story. <laughs> yes. And sometimes what you think, it, what is your favorite story, right? What you think is like, this is the epitome of like who I am and what I do. That might not be the right story for your audience. So just because it's your favorite doesn't mean it's going to be the favorite of the audience. You really need to know, you need to do your audience research to figure out what that story is. Definitely. I read the book TED Talks fairly recently as well. And I think that's a great book to actually show you the basics of of give, delivering yeah. a speech, but also incorporating a, a short story into that as well. Yeah. Uh, quick thanks to Emma, Emma Johns for commenting, saying narrative storytelling is absolutely critical. It's how we're wired. Our own brains run on made up narratives to organise all the information we process. Very true. Let's segue into part two, though, of our discussion. It's okay. now time for Kerry's thoughts on the state of digital marketing today. So starting off with... Secret software. So Kerry, share a lesser known MarTech tool that's bringing you a lot of value at the moment and why that tool is important for you. In video, it is a super simple um, editing software that you can use on your computer or phone. I am not ready, right? I have an editor that will do Adobe Premiere and all that fancy stuff. I'm not technically involved. I don't know how to do all that stuff. I struggle to shave a few frames of video off of my, <laughs> off of my, the stuff on my phone. InVideo is a great, super easy platform to use that even the most novice of editors and shooters can use to create a more concise and more polished video in video. Superb stuff. Well, moving on to something that you currently use, um, to something that you're going to use that is next on the list. So what's one marketing activity or tool that you <laughs> haven't tried yet, but you want to try soon? Um, a marketing tool that I have not tried yet that I would like to try soon is I would like to sell from an actual stage. Um, I haven't been able to do that because of the pandemic, but I, despite the fact that I hated public speaking prior, I really do quite enjoy it now. And as soon as this pandemic clears up, it'll give me the opportunity to do it. And I'll let you know how it works <laughs> right okay. now. All my selling is via video. And is there anything that you would do differently from stage compared with selling from say a webinar? 
Yeah. So, I mean, the stage is different uh, for, and it depends where your fear comes from. Many people hate speaking to a large audience, but they're perfectly fine on camera. Others really feed off of the audience energy. And so they, um, they hate being on camera, but they prefer being in front of an audience. There's a couple of, of overlaps, certainly. You're always speaking to the person in the back of the room. Same goes for video, same, same goes for speaking in front of an audience. With the audience though, because you have people in front of you, I always divide the room up into quadrants. And I focus on this quadrant, you know, whatever for 10 seconds, and then maybe this quadrant for 10 seconds. And so it, it allows me to connect with each person in the room, but it also, right, if it's a large crowd, helps dial down the people in each quadrant that you're looking at. So it can feel, for those of you who have a fear of public speaking, it can make it feel a little less overwhelming. One other secret is if you are speaking at an event, go early and have a slightly deeper than usual conversation with three people who are going to be in the audience. So if you do begin to lose your mind up there, you know that there's three faces that you have a connection with already. And if you look at them for a little, you know, buoy, they'll probably smile and they're nod their head because they already feel connected with you. That's a great uh, method. If you have some anxiety to make sure that there are friendlies in, in the audience in front of you. Multiple tips in one there. Love it. Um, let's move on to the this or that round. So this is the quick response round. 10 quick questions. Just two rules here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So use it wisely. Oh. Are you ready? Okay. TikTok or Twitter? <sighs> TikTok. <laughs> Facebook or LinkedIn? Both. YouTube or podcast? Podcast. Traffic or leads? Leads. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Ads or influencers? Ads. Influencers. Google, uh, both. Did I say both already? Damn <laughs> you it. said both already. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. I, I don't have an implode button here. but <laughs> Google ads or Facebook ads? Facebook. Email or chat marketing? Email. Martech Stack or all-in-one marketing platform? All-in-one. One-to-one or scale? Scale. <laughs> that was more challenging than I thought it was going to be. The first one, TikTok or Twitter, was a challenge. Why was, well, why was why? that so much? Here's why that's a challenge, because I have a... I have a large following on Twitter just from my news days, but it doesn't serve me as well right now. And I've just sort of started to stick my toe in the TikTok waters, but I think longer term, that's probably a better place for me. That's why it was, I was really struggling. So what type of content are you publishing on TikTok? Right now I'm publishing uh, public speaking tips. And I actually got, a, I, I've only posted a few and I've, I've gotten, I've gotten three calls and one confirmed client out of it. Uh, it's a, TikTok is a tricky space, although I do feel like it's changing. So one of the things that I'm going to be using TikTok to market is my digital course, which is creating DIY marketing video. I think there's a large opportunity for, 
um, personal and professional brands, especially those that are solopreneurs or entrepreneurs or small businesses to, to use because that's where they are, right? To sell that particular product to them. That makes sense? Yeah, like absolutely. Okay. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, w- I was expecting you to do that. maybe go on for another ten seconds or so. That's I was, I was, I was kind of leaving a little bit of air there. But I think um, I, well, it's, the reason, yes, because I feel like I stopped mid sentence, but I had a moment. I didn't know where else I was going. No, so it was, it was, no, it was it, look. I'm not using TikTok um, effectively at all. I've tried it once or twice, but it didn't really appeal to me. Um, maybe I should try it, but I should say the same thing about, thing about Instagram, but I'm also of the belief of you can't do every single marketing channel effectively and every yeah. social channel effectively. I mean, do, do you prefer to be in as many places as possible? Or do you think from a social media perspective, you should focus on one or two different platforms? So I, I have outside of TikTok, I have a decent following. I, I really didn't create as much runway as I would, as I should have when I had my news platform, how engaged those followers will be with my business now that I'm not in news. I don't know, but right now it's a, it's a decent, um, it's a decent following on all of the platforms where I think I need to focus my attention is Instagram and LinkedIn. And I, I say Instagram cause it's sort of hand in hand with Facebook when it comes to like content and, um, and ads to some degree as well. But LinkedIn is, is a, is a great spot for me. And, okay. And- well, that's from an organic social perspective, but um, let's move on to the $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? I would spend it on ads for my digital course, which is dropping next week. And, um, and I would measure success by how many people how many people signed up for it. There's a masterclass that it leads into that. And I would measure success by how many people signed up and watched. And do you have any thoughts on what platform you'd use? You touched on Facebook briefly there. Would you use Facebook ads and uh, any particular type of ads? Facebook and, um, and LinkedIn. Facebook and LinkedIn. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah LinkedIn. I've, I've been trying them both recently as well. And I interviewed AJ Wilcox um, a few episodes ago and he's a, a LinkedIn ads yeah. master. So certainly if um, anyone wants to find out a link, LinkedIn ads, they should listen to that episode, episode 225. Um, but, um, 225? Let me write that down because I need that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. He's, yeah. Wonderful. Um, LinkedIn ads. It's, you do get the different experts and in, in different platforms yeah. and they're so key to, to, to listen to. Uh, Facebook's a, a bit of a challenge I find because um, it's difficult to sell immediately from a Facebook ad. Certainly when you're targeting a, a cold audience, you kind of need to deliver content to begin with and then retarget yes. to that content. Um, yes. So it's a multi-step approach, but it can be very effective. I, I, that's, that's our goal. We have a masterclass, like I said, that, um, launches and that masterclass is an hour it's live it's chock full of content um and then there's time for q a at the end and that's where the ads will lead people and the ad then there'll be obviously social posts on all the platforms linkedin posts the linkedin live i have coming up here in the next um, 13 minutes is about creating diy marketing videos so there's a series of i don't know I don't, it's not a funnel. There's 
different portions of the funnel, I guess. I just started my business two years ago. Six months in, I didn't even know what a P&L was. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the person to ask for business advice. That much I could tell you. I could tell you all about video, though. No, exactly. And um, no one knows <laughs> everything about all aspects of digital marketing. You kind of just need to have your area of expertise and focus in yeah. on that. Um, um, you've got Stefan um, Baggio, Baggio. I'm sorry, I'm not pronouncing your surname correctly. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. Um, is that uh, LinkedIn ads you're talking about there, Stefan? Because obviously you've got LinkedIn um, that you can get a lot of organic success from as well. But um, yeah. um, let's, um, you mentioned there, Kerry, that you're you're moving on and you're going to do a LinkedIn Live in 30 minutes time. So let's um, <laughs> move on ourselves and and um, to finish off, let's shift um, the focus to someone else who deserves it. So that is Magical a, Marketer. What's, um, or rather who, is an upcoming marketer that you'd like to give a shout out to? What can we learn from them and where can we find them? Okay, so her name is Rosie Kozinski, K-O-S-I-N-S-K-I. She is located at, near me here in New Jersey in the good old US of A. Her company is Shattered Pencil Studios. She is a marketer and a graphic designer. And I'll tell you, she's making the workbook for my course. And she is phenomenal. I've never met anybody who can take such a, I, I come to her with these wildly unarticulated, not only in, you know, definitely I can't articulate it with my mouth. They're not fully articulated in my half baked is what they are in my brain. And I say, here's all this stuff. Can you like make this cohesive and beautiful visually and with the messaging? And she, I don't know how she does it, but she is phenomenal at what she does. And she creates, she creates assets and branding and message. She's just, you find her on LinkedIn, Rosie Kaczynski. And I promise you, I come back to her time and time again. She is efficient. She is smart. She is kind, pleasant to work with, and she is an absolute genius at what she does. And she's very creative. So when you need a, a logo or a brand, you give her ideas, talk about the colors you like, and she sits down and sketches it out. I mean, she's just, she's phenomenal. I cannot recommend her enough. You will, you will, if you hire her, you will be 100% thrilled. And Stefan is saying, love the name of the company. Obviously, you're talking about Yay. Shattered Pencil Studios. That's the name that you remember, isn't it? Yeah, she's great. <laughs> and uh, I'm saying in the chat that LinkedIn is the most business focused by far, but the spam levels just drive me crazy. I, I find that the spam levels aren't too bad, but I tend to get rid of people in my network who <laughs> keep on spamming me consistently. Right. I've got a fairly large network of maybe about 15,000 on LinkedIn, but I don't find it too bad. What about yourself, Kerry? Uh, I, I think it's the... It's not a ton, but I do find the initial reach out. Please don't yeah. sell me this, that, or the other thing. Like, like even if you just send me a connection request and don't send me a note, nine times out of 10, I'll accept you and see where the conversation goes. And, but if it's just a hard sell from, from day one, it's, it's exactly. Yeah, or if, it, if it's a me first, you know, take me out to dinner at least. <laughs> If it's a generic, um, I love what your company does. I've been looking oh, at your website. God, yes. <laughs> seems like you've had a lot of success in your company. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. really? What is my company, by the way? Exactly. I, I, actually, I, I got someone the other day who um, who said, who they kept pestering me about redesigning my website, which I just did like a year ago. And it's, I mean, I didn't do it. I hired somebody to do it and they did it 
darn good job. And I finally, I just texted them back. I said, why don't you check out my website and tell me if you think I need a new one? And then I never heard from them again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, lots of great um, conversation going on there. Um, Stefan saying, LOL, drinks first. (laughs) (laughs) That's Uh, right. Come on. Buy me a nice dinner. Then maybe we'll talk sales. Oh, absolutely. Look, um, this was a superb conversation there. I really appreciate you coming on there, and I pressed the wrong button there, so um, that's not so good. Um, I'm not sure if I can possibly turn that off there. I'm going to have to go back to my other bit of software called Vmix that I use to power my... (laughs) It'll come off there in a second there, but um, I I, I try to make life complicated by myself. Um, I use what's called a stream deck to... Uh start my videos, change my uh, sections, you know, play my bumper noises there as well. Um, so that's coming through my own system. But if you slip up, if you press your finger on the wrong thing by mistake, um, then that's a bit of a do, challenge. Right? It's, it's, <laughs> I, I, I can set it up to actually, if I press it again, then switch it off. But I don't think I've pressed that one by mistake before. But hey, ho, there's always a first. <laughs> hey, ho, well, look, um, this I will say, was episode 238 of Digital Marketing Radio, where Kerry Barrett from Kerry Barrett Consulting shared wonderful, specific tips. Um, I loved your um, cameras eat energy for lunch um, advice. Um, Don't show RBF uh, and be comfortable going (laughs) OTT. Uh, Have your 30 second story ready as well. So lots of great tips there in that first section. Your secret software, Kerry, in video.io. Uh, you're next on the list, sell from a stage. That's interesting, actually mixing up your offline marketing with your online yeah. marketing, and more people have obviously got to be doing that as well. And your magical marketer, see if I can say her name correctly, it's uh, Rosie Kosinski uh, mm-hmm. from Shattered Pencil Studios. So I will make sure that um, every everything that Kerry mentioned there um, in the, it will be in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com and on the YouTube channel. Just search for Digital Marketing Radio on YouTube. Kerry, we, we talked about a few social platforms. What's the best social platform for someone to follow you and say hi? LinkedIn or Instagram. LinkedIn, it's Carrie Barrett, or you can follow my company page, Carrie Barrett Consulting, or Instagram is Care Barrett, K-E-R-B-A-R-R-E-T-T. Absolutely superb stuff. Um, well, I've been your host, David Bain. You can also find me producing podcasts for B2B brands over at castingcred.com wherever you're watching or listening, please let us know what your your thoughts, you know, feedback is fantabulous. Um, Make sure you've subscribed to the Digital Marketing Radio channel on YouTube, of course, to watch the next episode live. Until we meet again, stay hungry, stay foolish, and stay subscribed. Aloha. DigitalMarketingRadio.com 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 Digital Marketing Radio, digitalmarketingradio.com